This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. And two spirits came to see me and they had they were side by side and then geometry in the middle and then geometry on the outside and then it was just shoulders and heads. And it's like these two spirits had came to me and were shoulders and heads to make me feel comfortable there and just said, welcome, you've begun your spiritual journey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Stillness Podcast. Our goal with this podcast and the Pottery Studio is to introduce you to ways that you can find stillness in your life. Our guest today is former pro bodyboarder, two-time Australian champion, Jake Stone. Jake left bodyboarding after a few injuries with his back and leg and he's going to talk to us about where he went from there, how he healed himself and found spirituality and then started Corrective Culture. Welcome, Jake Stone. Hello, thank you very much for having me on. Thanks for coming in. Stillness podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to get to, we had Callan on the other day, I want to get to where Corrective Culture is at now, but I'd like to hear your journey on how you went with bodyboarding, why that ended and how it got you into where you are today. Yeah, cool. All right, so I had a, um, yeah, I was a pro bodyboarder for a number of years, started when I was 12 and was pro, uh, I had my first pro model by 16, so I was making money from that. <clears throat> and I I loved it. I also felt a massive calling to something else in life when I was around 19, mm. um, which is funny. That's when my back injury happened. So <clears throat> I was in Hawaii and um, my back was getting a little bit gradually sore. And then I went to Hawaii and I was over there and it was um, started to get worse and worse and worse, like to the point where I was like debilitating and um, I was hiding it from everyone. So anyway, that was the first year. Came home, surfed all year kind of hit it, uh, realized that it was getting worse and worse and worse. I was trying to do yoga and all sorts of stuff to, to help get it better. Um, nothing nothing really helped it at all. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went back to Hawaii the year after and um, I met out with a mentor of mine called Mike Stewart, who's a professional bodyboarder and a waterman. He's, I think he's like 15 or 16 times body surfing world champion or maybe more. Um, and he's, a, I think, like 11 times bodyboard world champion. So mm-hmm. body surf and bodyboard. So he's just an amazing waterman. <clears throat> but um, I noticed in him when he was 38, he went and saw a guy called Paul Check. Um, and I noticed he just lost a bunch of weight and he looked great and he started moving really good and he was stretching every morning. And I was like, fuck, what's he up to? Mm. Um, so I asked him about that <clears throat> and he said, oh, you've got to, you know, I-, I can have a look at your pelvis. And he had a little look at my pelvis. He's like, yeah, didn't say too much. But he's like, have a look um, in Australia for a check practitioner. So his his wife was a Czech practitioner, Lisa, and um, or from I'm pretty sure she is. So she was like, "Oh, there's a guy called Donald Carr in Australia. He's a Czech level four. So I was like, I tried everything else. I tried physios. I tried osteos, chiros, <laughs> you name it. I tried today. Like I was looking everywhere, <clears throat> and it just seemed so helpless. Like on on YouTube, it was very much like there's nothing on my injury. Which what was your injury? So after a long diagnosis process, it was a spondylolisthesis L5-S1, which is just an anterior slippage of the L5 off the sacrum. So In layman's terms? <coughs> so the, <laughs> the, the L5 vertebra yeah. um, is kind of because the core's not working in a bunch of other things, it slides forward. Yeah, right. So I was getting the, the distribution of the spine should be distributed through 
all of the vertebra, not mm. just one, which was my L5S1. So if you look at bodyboarding, you're in hyperextension and that's how you look good when you're bodyboarding. But if you're not using your whole spine, you are hinging off that one vertebrae. So I was hinging off the L5S1 yeah, right. uh, vertebrae and that was pushing and jamming forward. So it was putting pressure on my spinal cord and on the sciatic nerve, which was shooting down into my feet. Mm. So, um, God, if I, if I had a, it's so easy to fix. Like if I had a known now, it'd be a lot different. But um, yeah, so I uh, spoke to a, I called Donna when I go back to Australia. Um, and I try, I thought I'd tried everything. And then Donna was like, oh, spondylolisthesis. Yeah, that's, that's not too hard. Like come down and see me. And he was in Sydney. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to give this a shot, I'm going to give it my like full shot. I'm going to move to Sydney. So I moved to the Northern Beaches, saw him. And I just said, I'm, I'm committed. And you got a year of my time. And um, surely enough, I went to Chile a couple of weeks later and um, I got out of pain. So it was the first time I'd been out of pain in two years. Easy to talk about now. At the time, it was some really heavy pain, like so not sleeping. It was two and, weeks after you went to see him or a year, yeah, two and, weeks two, a year after, and two weeks? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two weeks. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I was like, holy shit, this, this stuff is amazing. Not that I, not like I knew it was working. I was like, it was an energy thing. It was like, oh my God, I'm, it's getting better. Um, so <clears throat> I started stretching, uh, I stretched for the first six weeks. That was it. And then I saw Donald again in six weeks and he readjusted my pelvis and he showed me, he's like, Oh, look, your weight shift's gone. Oh, look, your, um, your, pa- your pelvis is balanced now. Let's get into some strength work. Started deadlifting, started doing some other stuff, all phase one exercises, mm-hmm. then into some strength work. He was just really good at what he did. Um, and then I was like, Oh my God, I'm out of pain. And then I was like, holy shit, I feel fucking great. I feel strong and I feel like invincible. <laughs> so my surfing got a lot better. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, when you start you, when you start working on the um, body, the spiritual, mental, emotional stuff starts to pop up. Mm. So I thought I'm going to study this stuff because I just, I can't believe how easy that was and how it worked and how just much sense it made to me. So I went to HLC1 <clears throat> and this was around 22, uh, got really into it. Started just listening to Paul Check like lecture after lecture after lecture. Like I went through his whole better butt, better back um, system. I went through his whole polishing the mirror system. I went through, he probably had 10 different DVD sets. I went through all of them. Uh, and this was before I even started studying the stuff. So I just I just wanted to know more and more and more. <clears throat> and um, I just started thinking, wow, this is just crazy. And I just, just put my like heart and soul into it back then, purely for the physical side of it. So I was like, I want to get, I want to get strong. And then I started getting egotistical with it. I want to have a good body. I want to look good. <clears throat> All that kind of crap. Uh, and then I felt like I had a calling to something bigger in life. And my heart was calling me to something like, I didn't know what it was, but it wasn't bodyboarding. And when you're getting paid 80, like close to $80,000 a year to do what you love and travel the world, um, everyone tells you how good your life is. But of course, you're not feeling... <laughs> You know, mm. like the soul isn't satiated by anything other than itself. So money's not going to make the soul feel great. <laughs> so I was getting money. I was traveling. People were telling me I was the man, even though I didn't feel it. And uh, it just led to this kind of like dark hole of like, what is my purpose here? You know? Yeah. Um, big thing I forgot to mention is like my mum died when I was 18. Yeah. So amongst all this stuff, I had some massive safety, security, abandonment issues in that first chakra. Hmm. So not only was I <laughs> hyperextending my back physically through bodyboarding, but I was abandoning all of my mental, emotional stuff 
in the first chakra. Um, so base security, tribal association. I had no friends. I had a few a few big things in that first chakra that I needed to to sort out, which I buried, and I also buried mum's death. So then I, you know, feeling a bigger calling in the world, understanding that bodyboarding wasn't for me, and I knew that deep down. So you know, when your body says no, and you feel that real like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. So um, I wasn't dealing with that. Then I mum died. Mum died when I was eighteen. And then I bottled it up until I was like 21 and it all exploded. <laughs> so, what, what did that look like? Well, it looked like I moved to Perth when mum died. So probably like a week after and I said, fuck it, I got to get out of here. So I ran and moved to Perth and I was living in a house with a friend and he went away to Peru or Chile for like four weeks and I stayed at home and uh, just, I was watching The Bone Collector one night, like, you know, that movie, The Bone Collector and it come and funny enough, there was a girl in a hospital bed, which had Anthony in it. Angina, what's her name? Angelina Jolly. <laughs> Angelina Jolly. Anthelina Jolly. <laughs> yeah, and um, it just, like, I had this thought of, like, that could be me or mm. I'm going to die of cancer. I think that was maybe the thought. Um, and my whole body shot into an outer body experience. So I, I actually left my body and was looking down on my body. And um, my whole heart was beating at 100 mile an hour and it was like i was being chased by a lion which is like a panic attack right anxiety Mm. but just like the most i bottled so much stuff up for so long that it just exploded right so i felt really really scared i started walking the block of like where i was in woodlands in perth and i walked for ages and then i rang a friend and i said you've got to take me to hospital like i'm having a mental breakdown and i've got cancer i'm gonna die I fully thought I was going to die, like the rationale in my thought had gone. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, um, and I had ball pain at the time too. So I was, there was some stuff going on, like testicular pain. So I thought I was going to die. So I went to, it wasn't until I got, my mate picked me up and I went to the emergency ward. He said, um, I got to the emergency ward and they're like, why are you here? And I was like, I'm dying. <laughs> and they were like, well, why? And like, and then and then some common sense started to come back into my thought rationale. Yeah, right. But I was having a full mental breakdown. How, how, how crazy is you can do? Your mind can be like used for good or evil. Like you can just convince totally. yourself you're going to die. Totally. Fuck it. Well, it's is, no, it's no different to psychedelics or mm. or like really intense psychosis, right? You no, know, we we we're, we're taught that we're crazy if we speak to ourselves, but it's just our mind, eh? Yeah. Just yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. So. Would you relate that to kind of some kind of depression or? Mm, yeah, it was all depression. So basically with not with, with not allowing things to come up, we bottle it up and it has to go somewhere. I think it had tried to come out through an injury. I think it had tried to come out through, um, yeah, injuries and bottling it up. But, it, but then it came out through a mental problem. So anxiety, yeah. depression, things like that. And I was having depression badly. Like I was really, really depressed, like. There was a few times where I had like suicidal thoughts and I was like, okay, I need to, I know, I still understood that I wasn't going to kill myself and I didn't tell anyone because I, was, I wasn't going to be like, I'm having suicidal thoughts. <laughs> but I was, I was like, I was like, fuck, should I, is there much more here? Um, so I think, I, I think the, I had the thought like, okay, that I'm getting to that point now. I need to see some, someone. So I went and saw a psychologist in Perth and it was expensive and it was bullshit. It was crap. I think I took one thing away from it, which was a breathing pattern to help anxiety, mm. which didn't really help. But what really helped was <clears throat> I got led to a book. I don't even know how I got led to it, honestly, but 
I flew up to Bali to get away from Perth for a bit because it was raining and it was like the wet season. And uh, I was reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. It's a good one. Yeah. Kind of started my journey. For sure. Um, I mean, it was such an incredible experience. I think they call it a Santori when you have your first moment of enlightenment where you feel like this joy that it's just overwhelming. So that was my first. I was reading this thing and, and I remember it was like something about not being your thoughts. And I was like, oh, okay, well, if I'm not my thoughts, then what am I? And I just, I had that same shooting feeling, but in a good way. It was like, holy fuck, I've just created, I've just, I've just had a Centauri. It's your first thing of enlightenment. It's your first bit of like, whoa, <laughs> there's something different, you know? And um, I felt so invigorated and so happy. I just, I was like, I remember thinking straight after that, I'm never going to be unhappy again. Was That's, the experience kind of was it like a no mind sort of? Yes, it was. Know, it was euphoric. Presence. It was euphoric, and just I was just staring out the window of the plane, just going, "Holy fuck!" Like everything was vibrant, and everything was just like, yeah, there was something bigger that I'd experienced, and I just that was it. Still, for it lasted for a couple of weeks actually, mm. um, and I just had the best time of my life. But then it it all come crashing back down a little bit more. Mm. But that was my first initial awakening. And uh, that made me look into a lot of different stuff, yeah. and then led led me to Jan on the Gold Coast. Actually, yeah. yeah right. Before we go into that, so you went yeah. like uh, I've never been seen a psychologist, but mm. I'm sure they're good for some people. But what do you? What was your takeaway? Like, why did you? Why were you so against it? I think there's good and bad in everything. Yeah, and uh, I think when we're taught to be a psychologist, <laughs> I think we. And we haven't gone through it ourselves. Like I remember asking this woman, I said, hey, have you had anxiety or panic before, panic disorder? And she's like, no, but I understand it. And I just thought to myself, you don't understand it. You know, I felt that she didn't understand it because she she didn't understand how much fucking terror and panic I had. Like I, I remember I rang her one morning at three in the morning because there was crazy shit happening to me. It sounded like someone had slammed a door on my face. Like in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., and you wake up to a door slamming in your head, but the door's closed. Mm. So I don't know what the fuck that was. And I was panicked, freaking out. So I called her, and she was just like so off it that I called her, which fair enough, 3 in the morning. <laughs> but I just, I had no, I had no one else to turn to. Yeah, right. And um, she just didn't quite understand panic disorder. Mm. But she also didn't understand that it's energy. and She didn't understand the metaphysical side of like um, bottling energy up in the body is not a, it has to go somewhere and the mind is a crazy thing so yeah. Interesting. yeah yeah i'm not against oh man there's some amazing psychologists mm. jordan peterson um gabo mate mm. paul check is you know well he's not a clinical psychologist but he's i would go to him over anyone else in the world yeah. um but yeah I, I think the that that led me into a deeper deeper thing so i i don't know had its place in some It ways. had its place, definitely. And as as everyone has their own journey to go through, you've got to make mistakes and learn learn through the crap the crap things that you see. So I'd been to a lot of through the medical system a lot of things by then. And I was like, Oh my god, it's another one of those things. Why are we being lied to? Why does this shit not work? Because it's a sister it's a symptomatic approach to the bigger picture. And there's always something underlying. Fair point. So, yeah. Do you write much down now? No. Did you ever write? I did. I journaled a lot. I've got a couple of journals full of like psychotic things. Yeah. Yeah. That was during the time. 
Yeah. So it didn't for the time. helped or it didn't help? It did help. It helped a lot. Mm. Yeah, it helped because I was writing. But to me, I look back on it now and I just it just looks like a, a nest, a bird's nest of like wanting to express myself. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I, I've got different ways now that I can express myself. Interesting. But I think it's great. I think it's great to be able to write it down and I think it's also great to do the work. So you have to apply Qigong or you have to apply Tai Chi or you have to apply meditation. It's, mm. it's a paradox because you've really, you've got you've to meditate <laughs> using your mind. So you've got to use your mind to get free of your mind. Mm. So when did you find meditation? Uh, after Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, yeah, so I used it. Active meditation was my first meditation where I was just sitting there and I'd feel like I do now. Um, just my, my arm touching the leather of the seat, or the, butt, mm. the butt touching the leather of the seat. And all, also just checking in with your body. And how you feel, like the whole way out here, driving out here, I could feel that I was a bit tense because I had a really busy morning, mm. but I was, wasn't was attached to how tense I felt. I knew there was tension there. Yeah. So just breathing, okay, there's tension here. It's like I don't attach myself to it where I used to. Mm. So Just observe it. Observe it, yeah, for sure. So I think being aware of it is what dissolves it. Mm. Totally agree. So you went to the Gold Coast... After that, was it Kathy, you said? Uh, no, Jan, Jan, Jan Carton. Jan. So she's an amazing Czech practitioner, but I was going there still kind of for the physical. I wanted to get ripped and I wanted to be jacked and I wanted to be the best athlete I could be. But quickly when I got there and I saw the first time she looked into my soul, she could feel how needy of love I was. Yeah, right. And she could also feel, she just saw me for who I really was and it was the most intimidating fucking thing ever. When a guru, when you meet your guru, I think everyone will at some stage in their life. You'll feel so childish or so small that you feel um, like you can't hide. Mm. And that was my first experience of that was with Jan. So I was like, it just bring up so much insecurity. I was doing a workout, and and um, she just gave me no time. And I was like, <laughs> she wasn't going to cater to my neediness. Yeah. And that's a big thing because I was very needy of love. I just lost my mother, so I was looking for a mother. Mm. So I think she could see and feel my energy. So it was it was cool. Um, but anyway, kind of hung around her a little bit, then went away and then did a traineeship with her. And the traineeship was when we really connected and really got to move through a lot of the stuff I hadn't healed from with mum's death. Um, so her, yeah. not, her <laughs> not giving you the like neediness, mm. responding to it, reacting to it, what do you think she was doing? I think that she just does it. Does, you know, I think we all think our gurus <laughs> have messages for us, but it was just a message that I, it was almost like it was inside me. Subliminal. It was a it subliminal was, message. Yeah. Like she was just being her and that was enough for me yeah. to realize that I had a lot of shit to deal with. Mm. And um, I don't know, I had it with Paul Check too, you know, a year or two later when I did HLC2 with him. It's just like, they look at you and they're like almost it's almost an energy field that feels like it's downloading your whole soul. <laughs> it's pretty trippy, yeah. And I know through books I've read with Ram Das and stuff, he's had the same thing with Maharaji and the, his guru and people like that. Yeah, right. Interesting. So I think there's, I think there's a couple of hundred souls on this on this earth that are enlightened, mm. and. They're not. They're not going to put up with the mind. They're not going to put up with your neediness. They're not going to put up. So I think there is a few out there. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm. Interesting. So um, where were we? We were seeing Jan. Jan. Uh, yeah, so saw Jan. Did a traineeship with Jan for it was supposed to be a year, and it took about yeah. two years. Mm. Um, in that time, I broke my leg really badly at a trampoline place on the Gold Coast and shattered my fibula and compound fractured my tibia. So bone went through the trampoline skin. And um, so I understand what post-traumatic stress syndrome is now because I fucking have it. Because <laughs> whenever I talk about it, it's like my nervous system goes, starts to pull and go tight again. Oh, really? Yeah, like uh, we were doing something on the weekend with, uh, you know, Dwyer and um, we'd, he was showing a high jump thing and all, and I could see the leg, the leg jumping over and I was just like, it was just like, I felt like I was going to fucking explode. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. But I'll talk about that in a second. Um, yeah, <laughs> shattered my leg really badly. Um, anyway, when I broke my leg, Nick Perry was there. He's a good friend of mine, uh, who's very, very much into spirituality. And he ran one way and everyone ran the other way. He ran toward me and he just goes, breathe. He goes, look at me, look at me, breathe through your nose. And I was going into shock. So I started going into shock and then I, he, and then I made eye contact with him and he was right there by my side, like an angel and said, breathe through your nose. So I breathed through my nose and I was like, I know what this is about. That's the first word I said. <laughs> so yeah, it was trippy, man. Um, also my ex-girlfriend called me at that exact moment, which was bizarre. Um, <laughs> so I had my phone there. Uh, um, Nick had my phone and I could just remember seeing my girlfriend call me and then I go, oh, I know what this is about. But anyway. What, um, what did you mean? Or you well, don't know? I, I do know now what it was is like bodyboarding was done and it was done uh, when I was 19. My heart wanted me to go into the healing yeah, side right. of things. Yep. Or even just something deeper. Um, and I wasn't listening. So the universe gave me a big wake-up call. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just wasn't listening. Mm. I didn't want to jump into something scary. And it was fucking scary. Especially when everyone's telling you you got a really good life and you're doing this and you're doing that great and blah, blah, blah. It's all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it broke, sitting there with a broken leg and they said, um, we're going to have to get the other ambulance here because it's that bad. We need to splint it here. And also, like, you're going to need drugs. And I was like, I don't want any drugs. I want to feel this pain. And they're like, you're going to need drugs. Like, we're putting the bone back in the skin here. Like, we need you to have drugs. And I said, okay, I'll have the green whistle. And then I had the green whistle. And they're like, you're going to need morphine. I was like, fucking bring on the morphine. Like, <laughs> by that time, I was just off my head. And um, I was having a great time, like, once that happened because I, I knew what it was about. And I knew that I was having a massive growth in life. Instantly, I had the Buddha come to me and I, I said, I know what this is about. And I had him come to me and I and it was, accept this right here, right now for what it is. Straight away, I accepted it. And that was a quote that I, I knew was going to hit me. I learnt that earlier in life and I knew it was for that moment. Mm. So I accepted it straight away. I knew that my leg was broken and there was going to be a massive spiritual adjustment here and life was going to get better. It was, it was weird. <laughs> It's like it's the worst thing ever, but it's also the greatest thing that's ever happened to me still to this day. Yep. Then I, th- I was all, you know, spiritual, blah, 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 feeling really good about it. Um, so I hopped in the ambulance and I was giving everyone a thumbs up and that. And um, I got back to the hospital and they're like, oh, we're going to have to give you ketamine. And any psychedelics for me really scared me because I had a really bad experience smoking weed for the first time. So they gave me ketamine mm. and I went off into a spirit realm and it was ge- geometry, but it was black and white geometry. And it was, um, it was shapes and things like that. And then I had gone there for a reason because two spirits came to me in... Sh- they, they, were, they had made them... I don't know where I was, right? I have no idea. It's hard to put into words, but 
I was in geometry and two spirits came to see me and they had they were side by side and then geometry in the middle and then geometry on the outside and then it was just shoulders and heads and it's like these two spirits had came to me and were shoulders and heads to make me feel comfortable there and just said welcome you've begun your spiritual journey and it was like I still remember it really clearly (laughs) and then I came came to came back to and I remember there was a surgeon two surgeons holding my leg and two surgeons pulling on the bottom of my leg trying to snap it back into place (laughs) and I screamed in heaps of pain and they put more ketamine into me and then I went back into that into that realm and it was just bliss it was just like the best thing ever and I was crying in joy (laughs) to the angels or no to to Nick yeah Mm. Nick was there the whole time and he reckons I was saying a lot of stuff to the like a lot of wise stuff that wasn't me mm. to um, the surgeon who in my head now, so apparently he's a young guy, mm. um, but in my head he was old with a beard and grey long hair and he didn't, there was no one there like that. But he, <laughs> yeah, he reckons I kept, um, I kept saying to him, I know who you are mm. now, something like that. And and, and I also told the, the guy who I thought was the old man that he needs to be more present with his family and some weird stuff like that. But I don't remember this, what Nick told me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that experience, <laughs> just quickly on the um, smoking weed for the first time. Yeah. Do you want to touch on that? Yeah, well, I smoked weed. Um, <laughs> I was at a party and I was very always t- brought up to believe weed was really bad. So I was like, of course, when you think things are bad, you want to try them. So I, t- I tried weed and I smoked, I think I smoked like six candies because I couldn't feel anything and then it all just hit me and I became a paranoid, horny, weirded out, stressed fucking mess, dude. Like I just was so afraid and I was up till like 2am, I couldn't piss. Um, Yeah, it stopped me from peeing and I just had a crazy bad psychotic experience. Panic attack. Right. Was it what age? Probably like 13. Yeah, right. So yeah, just too young and um, yeah, I still... I've tried to overcome it a few times. Like I've probably smoked like 10 or 20 times since then. And I had one good experience out of that whole 20 times. The other times it's been really like it jacks my nervous system up and I just feel like I go into a time warp. It's not a good experience for me. And even with the feeling of calmness I have now deep down, it still still does it to me. Yeah, I I, I mean... I look at marijuana like a teacher and I think that it's showing me that there's still a lot of stuff that I've got to bring up. Yeah. But like, like Ram Dass says, it's like, that's, that's the, ch- that's the ch- children's way of doing it. You know, meditation is the, is the yeah. going deep into the deep rooted cause is, is where it's at. Mm. And I mean, psychedelics will show you God, but to stay with God, you've got to be able to do Tai Chi. You've got to be able to do the work. Mm. Yeah. I agree. Mm. So, I don't know. It's kind but of, a, but it's, a, it's, a, it's probably a good gateway for some people. I mean, it might have even started mm, my journey, I guess. For sure. Like in that finding meditation, like there's more oh, to the mind. Definitely. I reckon that's cool. And I reckon it's cool when people do it. I, I fully back it. You know, if you want to smoke weed or you want to do psychedelics to bring you to that journey, um, that's your journey. And that's, that's yeah. awesome. And I love that. Like I totally respect it. And, you know, I put Paul Check up on a pedestal because he's such a medicine man. Mm. Um, I'd love to talk to him about why I feel so afraid and I feel so scared of doing that and why I can't just let go of control because I don't know why I can't let go of control, but that's my journey. 
and I'm you, enjoying it and I've had a lot of done a lot of work on that yeah on that are you like we're almost at corrective culture so are yeah. you noticing anything control wise there like from that in like the non-high life <laughs> yeah um not really no. not so much definitely my my thing lately is um letting go and being open mm. and crying and you know letting my clients open up around me and being there for them and mm. uh you know everyone's got individual needs and anything other than being completely who you are on that day is kind of robbing the experience so sometimes it'll be very an emotional session or it'll be really physical because the guy wants to be physical but i can see through that quite a bit now mm. um whereas the physical is just showing us where <laughs> the mental emotional needs work yeah however they both you know you can't touch one tip of the spider where without affecting the whole lot yeah so whatever work we do on the on the physical is going to affect the mental emotional as well so you can go through, go at it with with either way but yeah on the controlling side of things no not so much because i'm aware that i am a controlling person but what is control like we're going to die one day so if i'm if i'm trying what am i trying to control mm. you know what i mean so i'm constantly letting go of control but it is my inner work that i feel like that's my work here to let go of control and even to the point like I used to be very jealous but what is jealousy jealousy is like pops its head up and it's like okay look look what that is I feel jealous because that person could take my girlfriend away from me Mm. so what does that say about me (laughs) it says that I don't feel good enough that she's going to stick around yeah yeah and that's a big one for me it was huge to overcome that and I still it pops up pops its head up a little bit but I kind of just know that it's just like I don't attach to it anymore. It's just like, oh, there it is again. Haha. <laughs> Next thing, you know, I yeah. don't, I don't let it take me for a ride anymore as I used to. So you, you listen to a bit of Alan Watts, I'm sure. Yeah, Alan, yeah massive. He, he used to say, to give away the control, then you've got it. Yeah. So giving up, giving up the control, you have the control you want. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that's why I made that. We made that tea. What a paradox. Give it up to have it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, um, yeah, giving up control, you have the control you want. It. It's pretty pretty much as simple as that. Like, if I was to give up control of wanting to, you know, control how the outcome of corrective culture, it's so hard to do, right? Like, a good example would be, like, one month you've got no money and you're down to your last $500 and you've got rent to pay this week. And you start to go frantically looking for jobs and doing all sorts of stuff and carrying on like it's a big weight on your shoulders. What would happen if you just said, I trust in the universe it's going to be all right. Guarantee you (laughs) it'll be all right. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with you. It's like it's it's happened to me almost a laughable amount Mm. because there has been times when I've had, when I left bodyboarding, I had $75 a week to live off and... It was my rite of passage to trust in the universe. However, you've got to be doing the right thing by the universe, which is doing something that's helping people. Or Arnold Payton says that you've got to merge your life's work with the universe's goal of bringing the consciousness up. Mm. When you do that, and I can speak from, you know, if that's what I'm doing um you feel a connection in your heart and in your soul that you will never feel doing working for somebody else's dream so it's just so important i reckon to do that in life. even even a dream that doesn't really have a like a purpose or 
Like you don't know where you're going. You're kind of yeah. just a moving part. Yeah, exactly. So I think if you can find your purpose and why you're here that aligns with the, the universe's goal of raising the consciousness or helping people, um, you feel fulfilled in your job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then it's not about the money you're earning. No. And then the money comes. And then it's like, what do I do with the money? The universe isn't going to give you a lot of money unless you've got something good to do with it. <laughs> That's what I believe anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? There's people with billions of dollars out there doing <laughs> bad things. So. Yeah, but they probably just keep, mm. um, they've actually, they've got a plan for it, whether it's good yeah. or bad. Mm. They're attracting it. Yeah. Well, it's like the soul is insatiated from money. So why are we here? Why are you here? If you're not going to feel fulfilled about having a billion dollars, I gave you a billion dollars right now. So what? <laughs> you're going to die and you're going to leave it. So you can't control that. So what good is it to you? So why are you here? Yeah, people connect so much to their story about my past or my future. But it's like, why are you here? It's, a, it's such a big one, man. All my clients, they need to know why they're here. What is your dream? It's just proven with allostatic load. Like if your, your, your physiological load will be a lot lower if you have a reason why to go on. <laughs> why you get up in the morning. Yeah, exactly. So what's yours? My, my reason to get up in the morning or my goal? Uh, let's go get up in the morning <laughs> first. Same thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would be, man, I don't know. I fucking love my life, eh? Yeah. <laughs> my, my bigger picture, right? Mm-hmm. My goal is to be 80 and giving back to people my age right now mm. and to cuz I just light up man when I when I my heart just fucking lights up when I can help people mm. and you're and doing that now though yeah definitely i know but you know you my, my bigger more. picture is yeah my bigger picture is to be a Gabor Mate a Paul Czech mm. to be someone that fucking helps the world mm. my legacy why i'm here is to help the world and not in an egotistical way. I don't even really want, like, I even talking sometimes, it's just like verbal diarrhea. It's like, <laughs> it is like, I just, I really do feel in, in my heart that I, that I'm here to help people. And already I've had 80 clients and I'd say I've had 60 happy people that I've changed their life. And that to me, my life's purpose is done. So already I've done what I'm here for. So it feels good. You know what I mean? Gaining gaining knowledge is is power for me because I want to I want to use that knowledge to help people and I've always known that from a kid I knew that one day things were going to be different and I was going to be in a teaching role where I could help people and even now I still feel later in life that there will be a lot more that will come from this and it'll be a lot bigger than I think it's going to be mm-hmm. so that's what I feel yeah and I guess I'm en route to that. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So how did how did you and Callan start Corrective Culture? Like where did you So did you yeah, grow up with Jiu Jitsu? No, I didn't grow up with Callan at all. Um I didn't even know him, <laughs> which is weird because we're from the coast. So like I hadn't even heard of him. Should have heard of him. But um different friend groups and stuff like that. But uh I was in WA and it, um I shared something on Paul Check. Um and I was already well into it by then. I think it would have been like maybe I was like twenty five. So he would have been pretty young. Yeah, like he's three years younger than me or something. Um, yeah. So, he, and then he reached out and he said, oh, that, that was sick. Or I think that's how it goes anyway. Or I did a jiu-jitsu session with him on the, on the coast and I was like, oh, that's a cool guy. And then he got more and more into check and 
when I came over, he was just hit me up so much about it. Like, he's just like, if, if anyone who knows Cullen, his mind goes a million miles an hour and he's just like, like he learns at a rapid pace. So he, he just went head on into it, like did HLC 1, 2, um, and then just did IMS 1 and 2, like just off the bat, like in mm. like a year and a half or two years. Um, cool. Yeah, he got he got really smart really quick and just like, you know, started starting applying it. But hey, I was the teacher at the start, right? And then he, he, I saw him and how good he was doing straight away when he started it. I had already taken probably 10 or 20 clients, but I never really liked it because mm. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to go fully into it. I didn't love myself enough. I didn't believe in myself that I could make a living from it. Mm. And then Callan comes along, probably, I don't know, like I don't think he knew as much as I did back then. Mm. And then he just goes, boom, and he's getting all these clients. And I was like, holy shit, like, wow, I thought I was the teacher. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he was the teacher. And then, you know, now he's just a fucking book of knowledge. Mm. But it was cool just to... It was cool. Like, we just helped each other, man. It was just so meant to be. And um, then I started taking clients probably like four to six months after him. And I was like, still, I'll take four clients. I've got this film thing going on and that's going to be cool and blah, blah, blah. But in my heart, it was like, oh, filming's cool, but is it really? <laughs> is it really something you want to do forever? And now I do know that it is something I want to do forever, but not as intensely. And it is, it's an art. It's a creative side that you can't put a time on and you gotta, you got to do that. You're yeah. also merging it with correct yeah. culture, like the videos. Yeah, too. exactly. It, it helps one another. Mm. But yeah, so me and Carlin started hanging out a bit and then, yeah, just kind of like came about, like kept knocking at my door, like the corrective culture thing. Mm. We wanted to start something together and I had no idea that it would take off like it did. So it's just like taken off really organically and really easy. There's been nothing in my life ever that has been so easy. So it just started and started getting followers and we started getting traction. Then we started getting more clients. Then we met hanging out with people like you, hanging out with lots of different people that are really doing cool shit. And it really opened up my eyes to see how many cool people there are on the coast doing amazing things to help people. And um, it's made me grow as a human so much. Yeah. So I'm so grateful for Callan and so grateful for Corrective Culture because it's just been fucking awesome. You guys help people so much. I mean, mm. I've still got to finish with you. But yeah, like, for sure. Just, we need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, it, yeah, two weeks you notice, or the first week you notice it. Yeah, so for sure, Obviously, man, then I sure. go see someone that's in pain and it's yeah. like, oh, go see Jake, go see Callan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And th- and that's it, eh? Like, we we really, like, I know it's it's money. It's money. It's, it's 1500 bucks to come and see us for 10 hours. So, it's not cheap. But we value that because... I feel like I'm going to give that person enough tools for the rest of their life to look after themselves. Mm. And that's what I have now. I have no pain in my body. I had a, I had left knee pain for the last six months and I really enjoyed that because I was like, yes, I can't wait to figure this out. And then I figured it out on the weekend. So goddamn easy. What was it? Um, it was just Ian O'Dwyer's work with the deep tissue work. So lateral hamstring, um, peroneals in the calf, opposite side foot. Deep, yeah, just front frontal line stuff, Tom Meyer's work. Mm. Um, but also Ian O'Dwyer helped me massively with that Phil Summer. So, the yeah. the shirt you're wearing? Yeah, that's the shirt I'm wearing, yeah. But he, he's he's absolutely amazing. So, we're doing a mentorship with him and Donald Carr. Yeah, cool. So, we've had so many great mentors. You know, that's another thing that's come really easy is like Donald moved up here from Sydney. Now, we're doing a mentorship with him. Um, Mind you, he's the guy that got me out of my, all my back pain and taught me the most about Czech early on. Um, he also introduced me to Paul and I did HLC2 with Paul. So he's just like an awesome mentor. And now he introduces to Ian O'Dwyer, 
<coughs> Phil Sommer, and he's fucking introducing us to people in the states that are yeah, just cool. like we had like Rodney Corn on, who's like the he's like the head guy of Alico Sport over there, and he's yeah, just so well, so much knowledge. Like these guys are like you know at the very forefront of the health industry in America and Australia. What about is it uh, what's certified health nut? So oh yeah, uh, <laughs> he, he. I don't think he studied heaps of Paul's work. Oh, he didn't. I, I he don't was. know. Like, whatever he does, I love it because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for me, he teaches me to be um, open. He teaches me that it's okay to dress up like a fucking dickhead and dance around on camera. Because why the fuck not? Yeah. Like people, your family. Oh, they're gonna judge you and think you're crazy. Fuck them. They do but it anyway. It's like you know, like. Your friends and family, they, they're, they're, they're so loving, but they don't sometimes want to see you move outside of your box. So Certified Health Nut, whenever I watch your stuff, I'm like, hell yeah, I can do whatever I want to do or be whatever I want to be because why the fuck not? Yeah. <laughs> so so I love watching his stuff and his breathing stuff's amazing. Yeah, it's good. Mm, but I would, yeah, see, that's for our, our podcast, man. I'd love to get him on. I'd love mm. to get Paul on. Like, we'll get you, we'll get you on and who else, who else was I saying the other day? I want to get that Trav, Trav as well. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's, yeah, there's yeah. just fuck the, the amazing people you you meet in this industry. Mm. And they're all on like that same level of like asking bigger questions. Yeah, <laughs> like don't want to go into COVID, but <laughs> if yeah. the vaccine ain't working, <laughs> why are you getting it? <laughs> you know, just just ask a few bigger questions in life, and that's that's all you can really ask for, right? Mm. Yeah, that's right. Mm. This um, journal here, mm. which I touched on a little bit before, because you're going to be in it with your meditations. Yeah. But I just kind of want to touch on, like you've had a little flick through. What do you see if you were in your kind of dark stage, mm. you had something like this, what do you think? Of oh, it? Like, it'd be so benefit? helpful. be so helpful because I think of like, this is like a mind map. Mm. So... If you're listening to this, I'll just give you a quick thing to do because you'll be fucking so surprised how good this works. You got you got a mind map. You draw a circle in the middle of the page and you put you. Mm. And then you say, okay, what's going on in my life right now? I'm working. That goes off to one branch. Put a circle around that. You go off to the other branch. You put a circle around. Okay, I've got anxiety at the moment. Go off again. Oh, yeah, I've got sports here. Got this. And then you start to filter out all these little things that are going on in your life. Mm. And then start to branch out from those single ones like – Okay, anxiety. Why do I have anxiety? Okay, oh, my mum's got me, uh, wants money from me. Uh, my friends aren't really giving me much attention. My girlfriend's this, my dog's this, my fucking whatever. <laughs> so just, just spend 20 minutes and mind map the shit out of it and then look back at your mind and go, holy fuck. And I'm trying to fucking be clear about what I want in life. Yeah. I can't because my mind is so fucking cluttered with all this shit. Mm. So that's what that's good for. It's good to get it out and go, okay, it's like, it's like there it is. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's what's going on. Yeah. Okay, how am I supposed to think clearly if I've got 400,000 things yeah. <laughs> just attacking me day after day? And it's like they're not at the, f- the frontal lobe yet. They're yeah. deep. They're deep. They're not, they're not out yet. Yeah. No wonder we have mental breakdowns. No wonder our bodies hurt. Yeah. I, you know? I will agree with that, especially, um, I mean, I got a lot on, but if I just get like, the three to five things done, the main crucial things. Mm. Like I just put it all down, like just, yeah, like you said before, diarrhea on the page and then just like <laughs> exactly. pick, pick the main ones. Yeah. Like, I'll be grateful if these get done. Like I'll be happy if they get done. Too. Yeah. Tick them off next day, next week, bang. Exactly. And then 
most of it you find just kind of either gets done itself somehow mm. or it never needed to be done anyway. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and also align it with your core values, like why align it with your bigger dream. Like why are you here? Mm. If you're here to help people and your legacy is to leave behind a legacy of like changing the world, <laughs> do you think that PlayStation needs to go or do you think that there's some things that you need to like keep a cap on? Mm. You know, it really puts things in perspective and writing it down in the journal, you can see where your energy is going because like a magnifying glass your energy goes into the magnifying glass and then pinpoints on one thing so you need to you need to focus yeah everyone there's so there's going to be daily meditations in here which you can um you'll be able to have access to jake's going to be doing a bunch of them he's got um his favorite one which is (laughs) the spirit animal yeah yeah, so. yeah, that's actually from a from a lovely guy called Bobby Running Fox. He wouldn't even know. He'd probably be angry at me. <laughs> but he gave me this meditation a long time ago when I was doing that mentorship with Jan, yeah, right. um, the, the animal spirit guide. And um, it's such a good one. I'm sure I'd be happy one. you're passing it on. Well, yeah, I hope so. I went and did a sweat lodge with him uh, a few weeks ago yeah. um, on the Gold Coast with Callan, and that was just amazing. But yeah, I didn't mention that I'd been teaching his <laughs> meditation, Native American uh, meditation. But hey, that's the thing too. It's like I see all these masters and gurus. Mm. If they're upset about things like that, are they yeah. really for yeah, the better exactly. good of the world? Yeah. So I, I, I like to teach but what I feel like I want to teach. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of the meditations I'll be doing are just kind of obviously Sick. they're just a mix. They've got to be a mixture of mm. all. All that I know, because otherwise, yeah, how could I? I know create it exactly. Like, and like when from Alan Watts, Sam Harris, you know, Vipassana. Yeah, and that you, you've here. done it because you've done the work, right? Mm. And that's it. I've done the work too. And that sometimes you'll do it, and just things just come up. Yeah, and they do, and that's that's when you're in a flow state, and that's when I feel like life gets exciting. Yeah, when you're just listening to your heart and your body, your body lights up and going that way. Yeah. What? How do you like define? I think I asked this last week. Mm. Um intuition versus kind of i don't know thought like mm. how do well, you tell in- the difference like before you're going to make a decision yeah that's an easy one because in- intuition you feel it in your whole body mm-hmm. thought you feel it in your head <laughs> so you'll usually what bobby running thoughts taught me is you'll usually have a really clear signal and mm. intuition only comes once it doesn't come twice yeah, right. so you get a clear signal go this way then your mind goes, but uh, maybe what about this? <laughs> so you're going the wrong way. Don't overthink it. Usually, like gr- the greatest athletes on the wor- on in the world act on intuition. I'm laughing because I know who's, yeah. I know who's going to be listening to this <laughs> thinking. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man, and it's um, it's it's awesome because I, I was the king of that, right? Like, yeah. oh, my heart wants me to go this way, but my brain's gone. Yeah, but it's pretty good here. It's pretty comfy, man. You know, chill out. Kick the feet up a little longer. The universe ain't going to do nothing about it. And then bang, snap your leg. (laughs) Sometimes I'm kind of now, I think, because you get so in tune with just acting Mm. on it. It's like, okay, well, that's the way I'm going now. Mm. Off I go. Yeah, for sure. But sometimes I'm like, I'm like already there before I realize I've made the decision to have time to overthink it. And then I start going. Yeah, once it snowballs, you're fine. Would have been kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Once you snowball. And I've been in some bad snowball ones where your thoughts are just fucking gone a million mile an hour. Um, it's almost like you need to give it 24 hours just to calm down because otherwise you won't be able to make a clear decision. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually worked that out yet because sometimes I get so embroiled, it'll be a thought that's just got me. It just mm-hmm. gets you. And then you go, ah, it got me. Fuck. 
okay, let it go. And then all of a sudden it starts to snowball. And then by that night, you're fucking so anxious. And you, you just so, yeah, when, when you go figure that breath. one out, please let me know. Because, um, yeah, the minds are... Go sit down and <sighs> meditate. Yeah. Well, I can't when it goes too too yeah. far. Like, have you ever been so far that it's just like, fuck, you just cannot slow down? I've tried to go and do Tai Chi or something and my mind's just too active. Mm. I don't know. The Vipassana kind of, mm. I guess, taught me that to just keep going back to the breath, keep going back to the breath, yeah. keep going back to the yeah, breath. Because sure. even... Yeah, you're always even when you're there. It's like you think by day eight, you're not thinking, but you still got thoughts coming up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure, eh? oh, that's such a. I haven't done one of them yet, but yeah. um, yeah, it's such a such a big extreme thing to do, which is cool. Yeah, I think you'll. Yeah, I think yeah. you'd love it. I would. I would love it. I know there's a lot of stuff I've still got to work on, mm. as do we all. And that's I'm I'm not a cooked chook, and I never will be. <laughs> but um, I'm enjoying the journey. And I just hope I can empower other people to to enjoy their journey as well. Before we wrap it up, I want to hear where you where you see or where you're manifesting corrective culture to be in five years, cool. three five years. Like, what's the bigger um, picture? What did Callan say? <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> um, yeah. So did in, he tell you that answer? No. 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 Yeah. Um, in five years, <laughs> be interesting I, if they line up. Yeah, I see a holistic health center here on the Sunshine Coast with a great community surrounding us, mm-hmm. bringing in international speakers, having guys like Paul Check and big international powerhouse guys that really can reach a lot of people, help us with our podcast by speaking truth on it. Mm. Um, I feel like the Senate is going to be a subscription-based thing where people can pay 25 bucks a week or whatever with a sauna, ice bath, um, and just kind, loving people in a community, do jiu-jitsu in there, things like that. Um, and I think we'll probably go pretty online with a lot of things, mm. make a fair bit of money with um, with doing online things mm. and then reinvesting in our in our business and helping people. Yeah, and cool. Awesome. So that's, that's the plan. Well, it'll definitely happen because you're both talking about the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think we're in there. You know, we've got the same core values. Yep. He's a fucking amazing guy, man. Like he, he is so just calm and collected and so just like um never breaks character Mm. like you know like sometimes people aren't authentic Mm. like he he honestly is he is who he is you know all the time he fucking is a hundred mile an hour all the time it's funny (laughs) um, i didn't i mean i guess i kind of did realize now you say it but the podcast last week Mm. i was I had to keep getting and pulling him back in. Yeah, because exactly. Like, he's so excited. Yeah, man. It's, he's it's, so it's awesome though. It's sick and it's great because it's like we we really balance each other out. Because mm. sometimes I can be too chill, mm. like I can be too. I don't want to be in the limelight or yeah. or something like that. And well, I really need to. I really need yeah, to. Yeah. And that's my thing. I want to put my face out there more. I want to be less afraid to show my soft side yeah. to men, and I want to be less afraid to open up and mm. just go. This is who the fuck I am. You know, this is it. Warts yeah. and all, it's fucking here. Yeah. And that's that's so freeing. Like, I feel like people could do that. It's just yeah. like, that's that's the key to life. Like, you know, skinny, fat, whatever. We're all trees. Yeah. Just fucking, you are who you are and just own that shit. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, but if you ever see someone who's, I've seen people that I've gone, oh, physically they're not that attractive. Mm. Fuck, I'm attracted to that person. Yeah, right. Because their soul is so vibrant or they're just so like. Yeah, actually. Mm. those lady in the class on mm. the weekend actually cool. yeah awesome mm. and that's like you know they're just it's just we think we we 
we talk through looks. We don't. Mm. Mm. We talk through energy. We know we download straight away whether we're going to be talking to that person or not. Sophie said to me before this podcast, I think because she's been trying to get me on like the face of the studio for yeah. probably two, three years. Yeah. I keep saying no, but probably because I mm. think, I don't know. I don't know why I kept saying no because then she goes, mm. like, well, how do you feel about it? Mm. Like, I don't actually think I'm thinking about it. Like, I'm just mm. doing it. I'm just doing it. Now <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, going to yeah, be yeah, on fully. the camera. Yeah. So I don't know if why I've kind of res- not resented it or just decided mm. it's not time, but maybe now mm. it's time. Mm. You'll be ready when you're ready. That's right. Mm. Jen would always say that to me. You'll be, you'll be, re- oh, he'll be ready. She'd almost laugh about it because, like, I wasn't teaching people when I was with her. And everyone's like, why aren't you? Because you'd be good. And I didn't believe in myself. And she was like, ha ha, yeah, Jake, he'll be ready when he's ready. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. So, you know, you love yourself enough, eventually you'll go, fuck, I am good enough to do this. Mm. Mm. And the sky's, you know, the sky's the limit. It's like your path isn't written. So this could go anywhere. Mm. And, and it's just also yeah. like, what have we got to lose? Like if mm. someone doesn't want to listen to this podcast, they so just turn it off. Mm. Like, mm. <laughs> nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, there's there's nothing to be afraid of, but it should be more about, you know, what have you got to win? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. You got everything to win and like, man, it's just like one thing's blown my mind is the universe can just come at you in so many different ways. You know, failures are great. <laughs> So, I'm super excited to mm. share these, like, um, yeah. especially your, I mean, yours and, well, actually all three of them, like, yeah. you've come into things like, well, yours, I guess, isn't really comparable, but everyone's kind of gone down and come back up into, brought into business, channeled that energy, yeah. learning, learning how to kind mm. of be a master of their emotions. Mm. And, For sure. How good is that? Mm. Yeah. More and conscious people. And what would, what's good is like, I want people to, who, who are kind of second guessing, like, mm. oh, should I go and do that? It's going to be you know, eight years before I'm, I don't know, qualified or whatever, or yeah. am I going to be good enough? It's like, well, mm. you guys are all proof that you can just decide you're going to do something yeah, and then you just go and do it. Like, yeah. I didn't know how to do pottery. Yeah, fully. Yeah, how good's that? <laughs> yeah, and that's, you can do that with it. Little, little, didn't know how to anything. build buildings. Yeah. It's like you just learn as Fuck, you go. It's crazy, man. Once you realize that everything is being done by people that aren't, that's much smarter than yeah, you. Yeah, literally. <laughs> you can really start to like, gain some momentum in this in this world. Yeah. Yeah, and that's 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 where I'm at. It's like I didn't know how to shoot films and I'm still not great at it, but I, I know yeah. what to do basically. And um, you know, I, I did it and it's and I've done it and mm. I'm still doing it. <laughs> Jake shot the first video I yeah. think at the Pottery Studio when we were just about to yeah. take off. And I still that love that. Years? I yeah. still love that video. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> um I would shoot it differently now, but I still yeah, love it, you know. Yeah. Um and that's cool, like it's a learning, you gotta fail. I think you kinda of started mm. that similar time. Did I you? did, yeah. yeah. I yep. remember talking to you about it. Yeah, for sure, and you just undervalue yourself so much. Mm. But, yeah, it's it's cool, and it's a learning curve, and, yeah, my advice to anyone is just, like, I often hear it with my clients. They're just like, oh, I just fucking hate my job. <laughs> I'm like, why are you doing it? Like, you could die tomorrow. Like, why are you still doing that? And But I also understand because it took me six years to fucking wake up, mm. you know, jump jump off the cliff to swim in the vast ocean of potential but jumping off the cliff sometimes takes years months years but it's scary mm. it's always going to be scary every single time you don't just jump off the cliff one day and it's done forever mm. you jump off the cliff every single day in in one aspect or another coming and doing a, po- uh, uh, um podcast scary jump off the cliff 
fuck, you know, do something different. Mm. Brush your teeth with the opposite hand. <laughs> Love doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like more of the same equals more of the same. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me on, man.